Hello, welcome back. It's the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. And if you are binging these, then welcome back from like five seconds ago. We appreciate you returning. Uh, we are Rochelle and Carter. This is kind of where we just walk through what God is teaching us through a quiet time or life or a cool game we found. Oh, so you found this. You found this box of cards. And I want to just tell folks that not only do they have these talking point cards for uh, Christians, this mm-hmm. is one that you brought today, but it has family ones. Couples. Couples. So I like uh, took a picture of a couple of these cards for the family. And I started asking my kids, and it's just this great way to be able to st- start having conversations yeah. with your family. It's great dinner discussion oh, or yeah. in-depth conversation. So, like, like for example, let me just say, you know, one here. Who is your favorite Bible character, favorite character in the Bible and why? That's, like, one, but other deeper ones of, like, what? how would you answer if, if somebody said there's no God? Like, we're going to pull some of these cards later in this podcast, mm. and we'll just kind of discuss back and forth on what our answers would be. And we'd love, you know, for you to share your thoughts, too. Who, who's your favorite Bible character, though? Jesus. <laughs> I mean, is it not yours? No, it just, that was so, That's just how pretty did I not? Unbelievable that you would I even was like, ask Ooh, that. who's he going to say? This is a really <laughs> stupid card, honestly. Uh, no, of course, because that's always one that's like, besides Jesus. But you Jesus, can't say Jesus. Uh, okay. Because um, obviously he's your favorite. Um, I really like Paul. Paul's pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's a good answer. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that. Stick I mean, with Paul. If you did Old Testament, ooh. But Moses put up with a lot, and that's adm- that's admirable too. I mean, he did, but at first he's kind of I don't know. Yeah, he you know was scared to talk. Oh well, God, what if I? Suffer? Apparently, he was a very good speaker at one point. Oh, and he had no problem confronting his fellow Israelites. Sure, okay, no problem. Very good orator, and then all of a sudden, it's just like I think that might be a great example of when you let things go for too long. Obviously, yeah. he had killed a person in anger because an Egyptian was taking out stuff on an Israelite slave and he was upset. Those are my people yeah. him alone and he killed the guy. And then something that took place to make a long story short, something that took place, got him nervous. I better get out of Dodge because mm-hmm. I'm going to get in trouble for killing that guy. And so like, like 40 years, I believe passed by. I'll never forget. This is exactly to that. Our children's minister shared about her mom mm-hmm. and she said, my mom's in the nursing home. Mm-hmm. And we would go and, or when she was in the nursing home, we'd go and visit her. And uh, my mom, we'd go pick her up for lunch and she'd walk out with us and all of that. Well, she realized, mom did, that the other tenants were getting more attention from staff. The ones in the wheelchairs were getting oh, interesting. more and more. So well, mom started riding around in a wheelchair. Wh- why? Uh, Wait, because she yeah. wanted more attention. Even, more attention. But it's understandable that the staff would give them more attention because they have to. Yeah. And I don't think she just realized, well, this is just reality. And you know, it'd be nice to have a little bit more help or just even somebody yeah. to talk to. So she started, she stopped walking purposely. And one day when our children's mister, Miss, G- Miss Gail was her yeah. name, is her name. Miss Gail went to go pick up her mom and said, well, mom, come on. Because it, now it's like, well, I, I'm going to walk out of here and go eat lunch. I'm going to do that. Oh, she couldn't do it because her muscles had atrophied. And so Miss Gail was making the point to us kids, yeah. you know, you make sure to continue using what God has given you. And or made you a, lose it uh, or you lose. It made a lot of points with that. And that was just one instance. But I've never forgotten that story. That's interesting. I've never forgotten that story. So I'm in um, right now in First Samuel and talking about uh, King Saul. I think it's interesting, King Saul, when when he's first seen in in scripture, uh, they're at the point they need a king, and he's super handsome and super tall, and he's the obvious choice. Like when Samuel sees him, he's like, "Oh well, there you go." 
head taller than everybody else and gorgeous. And he becomes king. And we've talked about him in other podcasts where it's just kind of funny because there's this moment where he <laughs> he doesn't know what he thinks about becoming king. I mean, it's just like he's looking for donkeys one day and the next day Samuel's like, hey, by the way, you're going to be king. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. What? And he doesn't come across as a real brave guy because they, <laughs> they're like, hey, we're here to anoint the new king. We know it's going to be Saul because they go through this process. They identify it's from the tribe of Benjamin. It's coming from this household. Wait, where is he? He's hiding in the luggage. He's <laughs> he's what? So there are some pretty amazing moments with Saul where you see him as a humble person. And then he starts transitioning into some very interesting territory. Like he starts kind of just becoming an egocentric character. Mm-hmm. And it's it's testimony to me how easy it can be from starting out as this guy who, who am I? I'm nothing. I'm going to go hide in the luggage. I don't deserve to be king. To now he's uh, erecting statues to his accomplishments, monuments to his accomplishments. And there's this really interesting story. And I heard a pastor, uh, his name is Alistair Begg, and it's so much fun to say his name with a Scottish accent because he's Scottish. Uh, Alistair Begg! That's good. Alistair Begg. Of course, he doesn't say it like that, but... He had some really interesting thoughts about this particular section of 1 Samuel where Saul may or may not have been a jealous person, even in regards to his own son, Jonathan. And I'm going to get to the story of David and Goliath here in a second, which is a pretty famous story, but there's some interesting things there history-wise that I think you'll be like, never knew that. But Saul and Jonathan, um, I think, there's this moment where Jonathan must have seen his dad not doing not doing his job well enough. So he takes it upon himself to, hey, the Philistines are over there. My dad's just sitting on his thumbs, twiddling his thumbs. And he takes his servant, hey, let's go over the hill. Let's go, let's go kill us some Philistines. And the guy's like, you think that's a good idea? There's a ton of them. There's just two of us. It's a terrible idea. Jonathan says, all right, I got a deal. If we see the guys and they say, hey, you guys, get up here so we can get you. Then that's God telling us we're going to do well in our battle against them. And if they say, hey, we're going to come down there and get you, then we probably should hike it out of there. God's not with us. We're not going to do well. So what do you think happens? I don't remember. So they get to this hill and the guys look down at them from the hill and say, hey, you guys come up here. We're going to bust your tails. And Jonathan's like, there it is. That's our cue. God's going to be with us. And they go up the mountain, which they don't have the high ground, but this should should speak volumes. They've got God. Mm-hmm. They have the highest of highs with them. They don't have the high ground, but they have God. They go into battle against these guys. They defeat all these guys. And then there's this incredible thing that takes place. The armies start turning their swords on each other. There's this incredible confusion. Okay, that's right. And then Saul finds out from his camp, hey, what's all that noise about? Oh, your son, Jonathan? He's over there and he's, you know, he's kicking some Philistine tail. What? And so, oh, okay, well, we should go do it too, (laughs) you think? So he gets involved in the battle and then he gets all gregarious with, hey, we're, we're doing really good right now. God's obviously with us. So then, for whatever reason, sometimes when you're riding those highs, and you, you don't think before you speak. You say stuff that just is dumb. I don't know if you've ever done that. I remember this one guy when he was um, he was running for president. 
his polls were leading pretty strong. Like people were like, ooh, this guy is doing really well. And then he goes out and in one of his routine stops, he says, and we're going to go and get, and nah. he starts naming it. And then he goes, ah, or t- nah. something like that. Yeah. He makes this weird noise. And that ends the campaign completely. That one moment. Because he's not thinking straight or he just gets excited. We're going to go to Iowa. Yeah. We're going to Alabama. Ah. Ah. <laughs> so, and that, he could have been, I don't know the guy. He could have been a great leader, but nobody really cared. Because after that moment, it was like, uh, no, he, he's not thinking before he's, he's doing here. Mm-hmm. So Saul does one of these things where he goes, okay. So nobody's going to eat until the end of the day when the sun goes down, which is the worst possible thing. What, what helps you when you lose your energy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get it. And you usually get it by eating something. But he says, I curse the person. Not, nobody will be eating all day long. And he makes this outrageous thing. And all the people are so traumatized by this curse. <gasps> we'll be cursed by the king and we'll probably be killed and it'll be a horrible thing. And of course, he's God's anointed. And so we have to listen to what he's saying. This is exactly what happens. They're walking along the forest, Jonathan and one of his buddies, and Jonathan sees some honey. Well, he hadn't heard about his dad's decree. And he dips his staff in the honey and he eats some of it. And he's like, man, I feel better. Whew. Glad there's all this honey. And the friend's like, dude, what are you doing? You're supposed to do that. Did you hear what your dad said? And Jonathan says the words, my dad has caused quite the problems for you today, hasn't he? You'd almost hear the sarcasm in his voice. Huh. What did my dad do today? He said, you guys can't eat until the end of the day. How are you supposed to keep? They could have done exponentially better in this battle Mm -hmm. if they had had the energy to do so. And as soon as the sun sets, there's this gruesome scene where the guys go for any animal they can find, basically, <laughs> looking for the animal. One of the laws of God is that you are to drain the blood out of the animal and cook it, right? They're killing them, and they're not draining the blood, and they're just just eating it right there. It's gross. And Saul's like, what are you doing? So he puts up this stone monument, which is not something you're supposed to do as a, a priest is supposed to be the one who would kill the animal, and then the blood would drain and all this stuff. And he's like, well, at least... Try to do it God's way because we're supposed to not have blood in it. They are so obsessed with carrying out the king's decree that they are bypassing God's decree. Mm. That's a problem. And I think I think that happens a lot. We're so obsessed about pleasing man that we forget as leaders or as people following leadership. What did God say? Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose sight of what God said. If it disagrees with what God said, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm not submitting to that authority. Um, anyway, it, it, there's a bit of a story afterwards, a little complicated. It kind of gets hazy after that because they discover Jonathan did the thing. He ate the honey and he wasn't supposed to. And for whatever reason, King Saul at this point doesn't know that his son was the one who disobeyed. He doesn't know that he dipped the honey in the stick. And it wasn't even disobedience. It was unknowing. He didn't know there was this weird law that his dad had all of a sudden burst out of ah, out mm-hmm. of his mouth, you know? And they they call it sin in this passage of Scripture. Who has sinned? And Jonathan, uh, and King Saul says, whoever did it, you know, will be killed, even if it's my own son. It's like, why would you offer that up? <laughs> why would you immediately offer up Jonathan? I, again, maybe some jealousy there? Why would you? Because Jonathan showed him up already today, not necessarily intentionally, 
because he didn't think his dad was good enough or something. It was just like, hey, there's an army there. We need to do something of it. My dad's not taking leadership. I'm going to I'm going to do my princely duty. and Let's go see what God can do. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's discovered um, through this priest. He's got like this. Uh, they used to, to be able to tell what God wanted or what God said in this device that a priest had on his priestly vest. And according to that, that's what whether God says yes or no, they would discover what the answer was. And so it ends up pointing to Jonathan, yes, you've sinned. And Jonathan said, yeah, you're going to kill me, Dad, over eating some honey? And again, you could almost hear the sarcasm. You're going to do, am I going to die today? Because I ate honey so that I could have energy? It's just a fascinating story. But you see Saul losing his grip, not only on reality, but certainly the respect of the men who are starting to turn to what Jonathan as a leader, it seems like. Let's go follow Jonathan. He went up the hill. That's a good idea, King Saul. Oh, 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 yeah. We should do that. And nobody eats. <laughs> well, there's two things there with, um, you know, one is power going to your head. Yeah. And then you also go to uh, about, do you just listen to people or do you listen to God? And I saw a pastor yesterday doing street ministry, talking to people of a different faith. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's not just your leaders of your faith that that I you know, ask you to, to consider God and not them, but I have to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. That when I was a, a person coming up in Bible college, they would say something and I would say, yeah, okay, okay, because they're great men and I respect them. Sure. And then years go by, and when I'm studying a certain part of Scripture, and then I realize they told me something the Bible didn't that say. did not align. And I still love them and respect them. I think they're godly men. It wasn't even a false teacher situation. It was just everybody's wrong about something. Sure. And or a lot of things, but, but even specifically, a Bible teacher might be have a wrong view, a lot of right views and a couple of wrong views, and to discern... Mm-hmm. Okay, I can't just take his word for everything 100%. Yeah. I can listen to his perspective and then, you know, run it against scripture myself. Absolutely. It's really important. It gets laid out in the New Testament clearly about using wisdom to to help guide us through scriptures and what the application looks like. Um and n- somebody who's teaching according to God's word, that's that's huge. But the the Holy Spirit is perfectly capable of teaching you himself because he's, you know, the spirit of God in you. Mm. And he says in scripture, when you seek me, you will find me. If I'm seeking with an open heart, not one that thinks that I already know it. It's kind of a sad situation. Saul just kind of already felt like, well, I'm the king and that got in the way and I'm the anointed one. Mm -hmm. And he got real presumptuous with sacrifices and things like that, that basically robbed him of the anointing of the Samuel first anointed him as king. And then Samuel's like, God says that he's, he's not going to let you be king for that much longer. So because you have removed yourself from his graces, you've, you've, you've not taken my instruction. You've not obeyed. He doesn't want the sacrifice. He wants your obedience. You've not done that. It's, it's, it's a good reminder to all of us. Um, and, and, and reading about this particular story in this particular section, it caught my eye that the Philistines, who are, I mean, just forever the enemy, it feels like, of Israel when you're reading through the Old Testament. The Philistines, they cornered the market on weaponry. Like if you were needing something made of iron, an iron head for a spear, or if you needed some metal sharpened, anything like that, the swords, they cornered the market. So if they're your enemy, they're not going to really go, hey, Israel, 
come over here. I want to outfit you with a bunch of swords. No. Yeah. We know that Saul and we know that Jonathan had swords. Any swords or weaponry that maybe they picked up from a battle won, you could see some soldiers here and there getting a few scraps. But it was not like, hey, every Israelite was armed with this incredible armor. No, no. Yeah. But the king was, and Jonathan was. And Thor had Stormbreaker. <laughs> so, he's not in this. I'm sorry. He's not in this. That's that's a different god, and that's a little g. Yeah, okay? that's a little g. That's right. And, and it's mythical. Uh, anyway, the point being that David, I, I started researching this because I was like, wait a second. Were slingshots common then? I mean, what did they use? If they didn't have access to these tools, what did they use? Bow and arrows were a thing. And uh, and I don't even know if there were like I, I didn't get that far. Maybe they used stones at the end of the arrow. I don't know, like an arrowhead or something. Um, maybe just sharpened ends. But slingshots would have been common. So you think about the story of David and Goliath, and generally you think of that story. It's the the perfect underdog story. It's the little guy going up against the big guy, and we all love this incredibly comfortable image because we relate to the underdog. More times, out of, I mean, we watch a Marvel movie. Who do you want winning? You want Spider-Man to win. Yeah. The Green Goblin owns the million-dollar corporation, and he's the bad guy. I, I want Spider-Man to win. But here's, here's the thing. David is not an exceptional Israelite warrior. But his God and his knowledge and his dependence and faith in his God, this is what makes the situation exceptional. So David's got the tool that most everybody in the camp has already. It's a slingshot. And he comes onto the scene, if you know the story, he comes to see his brothers who are there in Saul's army. And it's been 40 days of this giant named Goliath who's over nine feet tall. His spear is just enormous. Like his armor alone, I forget how many pounds it weighed by itself. It's just enormous armor. They've got the fanciest, schmanciest stuff in the Philistine camp. So it's no wonder I don't even have a sword. Mm. And this guy wants me to come up against him. Bring your best warrior out here. If he defeats me, we'll be your slaves. But if I defeat him, you're going to be our slaves. Well, of course, everybody's probably making a mess in their pants. It's, it's a scary situation. Mm -hmm. Except David remembers. Maybe it's because he's he's not been on the scene. Maybe because he spent so much time invested in his relationship in the fields with sheep, talking to Jesus, talking to God, talking about the goodness of God. He spent enough prayer time with God. He remembers whose he is. Maybe that's what's different. And the other guys, they're all in camp together. They're feeding off each other's fear, playing into that fear. Did you see that guy? Did you see that guy? They've forgotten who God is. Mm -hmm. So David comes in and he's got the slingshot that everybody else has. He picks up five stones. He only needs one. Why? Because he is an exceptional God. And he goes out there. Of course, Goliath makes fun of him. And that's where we see that, oh, this is a classic underdog story. No, because God is not an underdog. Yeah. And if you say, God, this is, this is your will, and I'm going to step into it, and I know that there's nothing exceptional about me, but nothing's impossible for you. And David was very aware of that fact. And it took one stone and a hit that's like one in a million to go just so right there in the middle of his eyes. People say to cracked his skull, it killed him. What are the odds? Hmm. Well, with God, pretty good. Yeah.
pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it's good. Um, that's a good line. That's a tweet, <laughs> tweetable quote right there. Um, the environment reminds me, speaks to me of today mm-hmm. when you said about all the Philist- or the Israelites that we didn't want to go out there and that, that culture, if you will, and then why was David so fearless? Well, maybe because he had spent more time, you know, what God said about him than what people said about him. And it reminds me of you go into a new job or you go to a new church or you live in a new neighborhood and you are your own person right at first mm, yeah because yeah. you don't have this group think yeah you're you're new you're fresh influencing you you yeah. don't have anything influencing you yet and it's when you've been at a job for a couple of years that all of a sudden you now have group think you you know what we are supposed to do and how we do it around here and this and that and yeah. and um that that's that's all fine you know because you also hate it when the new person comes in and goes let's change everything and you're like <laughs> okay you you should really be around here a little more it's a balance um, to it right well but i think i think it's okay in a lot of respects to uh know the culture when it comes to just the parts of your job or, or the rules of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to this culture that we have group think and it comes and it's against what God says, it's yeah. about our faith. That's, I think that's a good encouragement of what David was doing, getting away from people and spending time with God and being fresh so that he didn't get influenced by them when he mm-hmm. goes back in. He has his own think. He has his God think, not group think. Yeah. And when he goes in there and it's not just fitting in, like you may have a group of friends, let's just fit in, let's play under the radar, let's not share our faith. They wouldn't say not share our faith, but yeah. nobody shares their faith. And to be able to be bold because you're fresh, I think was just a good encouragement of looking yeah. back at his situation. I like that. I You also made me think about those times where when you come into a new situation and you are trying to stay in the God think place and you hear the bitter seeds or uh, the, the things that people try to plant in you like, oh, let me tell you about that guy. Mm-hmm. The rumors that can go mm-hmm. on around you. And for a while, you stay pretty good. But after a while, you tend to start seeing why those rumors exist. Yeah. Perhaps there's a little bit of truth in them. Sure. And so you constantly have to keep going back to the Lord and saying, God, help me keep my heart and my mind pure on things that are pure and of good report. Because, I mean, the enemy does that, doesn't he? He takes pieces of truth and he twists them yeah. for his own purposes. And I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. And it certainly doesn't help the culture. When you're bad mouthing about somebody who clearly may have a problem, really behind the scenes here, okay, yeah. don't tell anybody this. Um, there are, you know, we work in Christian radio, uh-huh. and there are artists that maybe act a little. Some, very few, act a little more like divas than others. Everybody right now is like, "Who is he who talking is it? about?" <laughs> We're not going to go there, but because it's the that's point. the danger. That's actually the point. Yeah, is when you hear a reputation about somebody in this situation. What I've had to start doing is going, you know what? I'm just going to base my opinion off of my encounters with them. Yes. And I haven't really had any bad encounters. No. There's never been anybody I've walked away and gone, that guy's a jerk. No. There's been some people I'm like, eh, I don't think we see the same, same things the same thing. That's fine. That's a better way of putting it. But but it's when you let people that kind of exaggerate the situation yeah. and then you have this reputation before you even meet the person. It's tainted your outlook from the beginning and you're expecting yeah. it yeah, 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 yeah. to go south. And then you realize, oh, wait, it, you're already bringing your own personality to every situation and not everybody has your viewpoint. And that needs to be OK. Yeah. 
So if they're going to see things differently than you, that doesn't necessarily mean they're a horrible person. And it's so strange that we kind of do that. We are all different. How many times have we been told that? We're special. God made us individuals. And sometimes that that means we work well together. And sometimes that means we're going to have to work better and harder so that we can harmonize. Or decide you do over there and I'll do over here. (laughs) Right. Because we're going to disagree agreeably. Paul and Barnabas. Yes. You know what? Yeah. Anyway, it's all right. We're good. We're going to do our own thing. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of perspectives, let's uh, we'll You're ask gonna you. You're going to ask some questions. Let I me think... ask you some questions. I've been talking well, I mean, We'll just answer them both. Okay. We'll just answer them both. Well. Um, let's, uh, let's start with a, uh, just kind of a little fun one. I think the yellow ones are fun ones here. There's Again, four colors. Again, these are called talking point cards. Yeah. yeah. These are cards we're just drawing, and it's just simple questions. Uh, these This is the Christian's edition. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite way to connect with God? Prayer, reading, singing, etc. Why? I do love music. Obviously, we we get to do a, a Christian music radio show, so I've always loved that. Um, but I I really I enjoy reading my Bible, and then I can riff with God about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my I, I would probably put that at the top. I've really gotten into apologetics recently, but I was just telling Kelsey last night, which is as people defending the faith and having a good, you know, because in, oh, I should know this, uh, it's either Peter or Thessalonians, have a reason ready, a defense ready for the the hope that you have. Mm -hmm. And so I love this uh, thinking through things. But I did tell Kelsey, I said, that's all great. And I'm still doing it and watching videos and whatnot. But but I do need to spend time with God, you know, myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, one way that I've always really enjoyed is uh, nature. Um, yeah. Just be, and I don't know. There's just when you look up at the sky, and I think that's part of that. It says in Romans one about kind of the general re- revelation. Every nobody has an excuse to not believe there's a God. Just look at the sky, basically. Yeah. Look at the Earth. Uh, I don't know. You just look how big that sky is, and it's like, man, all my problems really are small, aren't they? Yeah. Compared to how big this Earth is, and much less how big God is. Uh, there's just something about being out of a confined space and seeing being God's thoughtful. beauty. Yeah. And, and like almost in a, a meditative place with him and just pondering yeah. his goodness. And and shutting off my phone if, if possible. Yeah. yeah. It's annoying when you're in a group chat. And then, I like uh, that. I <laughs> like that you chose something that wasn't even on the card. Because it said I, et cetera. And it I, said et cetera. Well, it did say et cetera. But prayer, I think usually, um, prayer, it, it's weird because so many people define it interestingly. Oh, it's just communicating. Mm-hmm. Well, technically, I think if, if you asked a theologian, nine times out of ten, they'd say it would Prayer is the the act of asking mm-hmm. God. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. But I think, oh, gosh, man, when my kids come up to me and they keep asking me for things over and over again, it's not as great as when we just sit together and we talk. Right. So I need to be mindful of all of it because I also want my children to ask if they need something. Yeah. I want them to talk to me. But right, you know. right. Uh, okay. See how we just get the conversation started with these cards? It's great. So that's faith journey category. This is the world around us. Maybe kind of digging into culture a little bit here. Okay. And, I, you know, this is great. I mean, you do what you want. This is your podcast. Uh, but you listening, feel free to pause it and think about your own answers. And then these. maybe you can send us your answer. Please do. <gasps> Morning show at ksbj.org. Uh, how does your faith influence what you watch on TV or look at on the Internet? Oh, I love that. That's a great question. There, we talked about, I'm going to be pretty, pretty, You're gonna be pretty, pretty open here. Oh. I'm, well, I'll be pretty too. Um, 
there we talked about dying to yourself mm-hmm. and uh, carrying your cross daily. And I've recognized certain things that eventually it's like, okay, there are things that don't necessarily bother me, but I then had to look at, but how does this glorify God at all? Mm-hmm. Cause I love movies and I love, um, you know, if there's a good versus evil yeah. to me, if it's a little rough around the edges, it just doesn't bother me. Um, but man, if there's no merit in it. And so I really liked scary movies. I know you have a tradition every, every October. Well, I, I really like scary movies. I guess I'll take that back. I still like scary movies, Okay, but there are some that it's like, if there was no, you know, it's the, it's the, the, the scary guy that you know, wields a knife or whatever, if there's no merit in it at all. Yeah. I had to, after kind of, you know, I'd watch it every year and then it got certain year. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that one. Maybe I'll just do the, not, not the sequels, just the original. It loses its it, appeal. It was less gory or whatever. And then, and then eventually it's just like, eh. why am I watching this? <laughs> because it's not, I love, it's, it's again, like it's fine to me. Uh-huh. Um, if there's, you have good characters fighting evil and you watch that battle and you want good to win. Yeah. But if it's just for shock value and there's no good in it, I had to, I think that's part of dying to yourself and saying, I don't, I shouldn't do this. Okay. You know? Yeah. And so that was one, that was a specific example for me. I think uh, my grandfather once took my breath away a little bit. I loved the way my dad raised me. So my grandfather's words came out real harsh. We were talking about a movie that I had gone and seen. And it was, I think, rated PG and was not rated G. Oh. And he mentioned something about uh, a word in it. It's not a, you know, a curse word. And he said, if it has one curse word in it, it's all bad. Ah, yeah. And I challenged my grandfather, who I absolutely love, and he's with Jesus now. And his foundation, um, uh, what he believed in faith and what he poured into my father, I'm, I will forever be grateful. So I want to give that respect. But I don't agree with him on that at all. I, I don't either. I wouldn't either. And especially because terms and words have changed over the decades and the uh, the meanings that we've assigned to those words have certainly changed. So, I mean, we could argue all day about things like that. But um, does it have merit? I think the Holy Spirit, we continue to take him with us into these types of situations. God, I want you to be with me in the movie theater. I want you to be with me when I'm reading this book when I'm making a purchase, when I, I want you to always be with me. And I know that you are, I want to be cognizant of your presence. I want to be in your presence. That's, I want to live that way, mm-hmm. live and move and have my being in you. And if I am doing that with movies, uh, with television, all of that, I think he's going to, he's going to prick your conscience. He does quite often and be like, this is not for you. Yeah. But then there are s- some other things that I've watched where I- I'm very careful not to recommend it to others because I know it may be offensive but I've enjoyed it because it has some sort of moral uh, or even uh, there's like a parable twist to it. Sure. There's value in it for me. And I have to be careful if I have already dismissed it in my own spiritual life. I'm like, I'm not going to watch this. If somebody else I know has watched it and they do not feel the same way that I do and they appreciated it on some level to, you know, maybe talk about it with them, but don't place judgment because maybe God has not said the same thing to their brain that he did to mine. You know what I mean? Well, I, I want I want black and white, but uh, we've gone over before Romans 14 yeah. where it's don't violate your conscience. Right. And it, that was the reference in the chapter of 
don't uh, eat meat that was blessed to pagan gods. And uh, and what Paul was saying is, listen, these gods aren't even real. Mm-hmm. It is just meat. Eat the meat if you want to. But if your conscience tells you, conscience tells you, don't do it, then you are sinning if you violate your conscience. Absolutely. And so when it says, don't make your brother stumble, I often thought, oh, I wouldn't have a glass of wine in front of an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's true. But also, I shouldn't convince somebody that just disagrees with having a glass of wine. They're, they have no issues, but if they, they think it's wrong mm-hmm. and they don't do it, and I'm, I'm getting them to sin if I come at them and go, it's, li- listen, this context, and here's this verse, and this is where it says it's okay, and it's fine. If I get mm-hmm. them to violate their conscience, yeah. I have made my brother stumble. That's a problem. And so that comes to movies as well. Now, why it's tough is, because there's some stuff that, that you, like, it's, it is black and white. Oh, yeah. You can't say, well, it's fine for me. What is it? Oh, it's X-rated. Like, no, like, <laughs> you can't do that and say, it's fine, there's value in it. No, you can't do that with something. I shouldn't laugh because, I mean, that's a very real thing for a lot of people. I think there's a lot of people who write off pornography as fine. I know. In our own Christian culture, yeah. they write it off as fine. Let me say it right here, right now. Nope. No. That's pretty black and white. So... Well, how do you see, uh, but then I know some would argue and say, but have you seen a rated R movie mm-hmm. that has something that's borderline? I think I, it's, it's, it's like the Supreme Court answer. You know it when you see it. Yeah. You know when it takes you to a place where you are no longer, you, you're, you're objectifying the situation in a way that is, that is going to have negative impact in your life and your relationships with people and, and most importantly, your relationship with God. And when you start to dismiss those things, be careful. Because the enemy wants you to. Mm. He wants me to dismiss, oh, it's fine. And the mm-hmm. more you do it, the less you'll, you'll desensitize yourself to it. Yeah. I yeah, want to always be, Lord, make me always sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. And in, in talking about these kinds of things, um, if you're watching shows that may be questionable and you're allowing your kids to watch it with you, that I'm not condemning at all, especially if you are conversating with your children. I let my son watch Jurassic movies. Mm-hmm. He and I, that's kind of our shtick together. We like to watch it. Afterwards, we talk about, hey, Was there a word in there or the, yeah, right. Let's talk about that. Was that okay that that happened? Should that have taken place? No, I love that. Always dialoguing with our children because they need to assess for themselves. And and let's line it up with scripture. What does it say? And they will start to do this because that's what my dad did with me. And I have carried it with me for all of my life and always taking it back to Jesus. That was a for fun thing. But this is what the scripture says. But individually, I ask myself, am I watching this movie? Or like, why am I watching this movie? Because mm-hmm. I really think the plot's good and this and that, especially with guys and the struggle of like, oh, this uh, this scene might be in this movie. And it's like, okay, am I watching the movie really to watch it? Because yeah. I think it's worthwhile and then I can skip a part? Then, okay. You know, you and well, that's depending on your situation and what you want to view and stuff. But if you're, watching a movie in hopes of like the yeah. sin nature's taking over. Well, th- this might be in there. That's an indicator. Then that's a, it's a, a huge yeah. indicator. It's a temptation. Huge indicator. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on. You got on one to... more. That was pretty lengthy. That Where was way. At? Oh, we're at 35 minutes. We're way fine. Bigger than the last question. No, that particular answer. We got more. Oh. We like that one more. I think <laughs> that's uh, let's, let's do a couple of these blues. All right. Let's a couple see blues. What are the blues for? What is right. the category? Blue is, um, by the way, I know you're listening to what we're saying and you got your own opinion about it. Isn't that exciting? And then you can be like, oh, I'm going to riff with my family about that. There you go. Yeah. That's fantastic. And then you ask him these questions. Um, I, well, we talked about this one the other day. How do you know that God is real? 
And I have a three-pointed answer. Can I also go back just real quick? Oh, sure. Perhaps you have been tempted by a film and you've watched it. By the way, there's grace for that. You know, when you when you feel like I shouldn't have done that, I went past. We we talked about that. That's what Jesus is all about. It's all about redemption, and there's mm-hmm. grace for that. It's like okay, let's move forward. We'll acknowledge what we shouldn't have done. We're going to move forward now. I'm not going to watch that anymore. Mm-hmm. I can do this anymore. Yeah, and there's, so I mean, I've seen that. people with with shows that they had to stop. Yeah. halfway through, you know, the the season or whatever. I actually did that with a show the other day, and I felt this. Yeah, I was like, why am I watching this? It kind of went through the things that you were. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the scary movie bit, it was, I was just like, this is not for you. Yeah. I felt like the Holy Spirit's like, baby, this is not for you. All right, let's turn this off. Yeah. Okay, so what was the question again? I'm sorry. All right, how do you know that God is real? I have a three-pointed answer with this. Oh, my word. Do you have a laser pointer to point to the uh No, if points? you want to uh, hit, uh, you listening, if you want to download um, the PowerPoint app, <laughs> and I'll send it straight to your phone. No. Um, <laughs> so... It comes down to me, uh, what we talked about earlier, um, the blunt way of saying it is common sense Mm -hmm. uh, or general revelation, because I just don't think that this world um, could exist without a intelligent creator. Those are the apologetics speaking through you right there. Oh, yeah. General revelation. Get ready for more. Um, And then there is the morals, which I think will be the biggest one, so let me me hold on that. Okay, okay. And then there is the, um, I love... um, uh, the uh, is it the, the com- cosmological argument it there's like the logical part of it and it is everything that begins to exist has a cause the universe began to exist therefore the universe has a cause they used to think the universe was eternal and albert einstein figured out actually that, that we started at some point i literally know? thought you said kamikaze approach and i was like that's this is gonna get intense isn't it <laughs> are we back to the movie and should we remind you about what to watch <laughs> Uh, the, no, the calm cosmological argument. And so it's it, everything that has a, a beginning uh, that began to exist has a cause. Okay. The universe is not eternal. It mm-hmm. began to exist and regular right. old science, uh, proved that by Einstein's, uh, theory of relativity. And, and that, and they honestly, at the time, scientists were like, oh my gosh, this is going to, this people yeah. will think we're Christians now. <laughs> they, they, there were some that didn't want to go to it cause they're like that proves that there's a creator and of course now it's the argument of this big bang bang. that just happened you know um and then so therefore Mm -hmm. the universe has a cause well then what is that cause i mean fill Mm -hmm. in the blank obviously Mm -hmm. but to me i think the biggest one that will trip people up uh if you're trying to convince somebody there is a god morals Mm -hmm. there is no reason for us to feel that anything should be wrong Mm -hmm. If there's not a God, Mm. because if we are just like animals, Mm -hmm. animals eat their own young, they, they kill each other. They, you fight to survive and that's what we should know and do. And yet most people have an empathetic or sympathetic bone in their body. Would you say all animals are guilty of that? I would say that there are some that would not be. Because then there's always going to be that that guy, that naysayer that comes up and says, well, not the the pygmy. But it doesn't matter, pig right? Or it, whatever. It, there's still no reason to do anything right. <laughs> no, I agree. If we're here by chance. I should be able to cheat, lie, steal. Yeah. What's holding me to anything besides what people say, you know, their preferences? Oh, I don't we don't like it when you do that. Who cares? There's no accountability. 
But we know that murder is wrong. Well, how do we know that? 90% yeah. of people, know, I mean, you know. If there's no accountability, how do we know that it's wrong? How do we know? Yeah. And, and, and yet, if you talk to an atheist, you know, you'd, you, they'd say, well, uh, you know, there's no God. And you'd say, well, I mean, there is. And then you'd ask them, well, is, is murder wrong? And they'd say, yeah, murder's wrong. Like even a staunch atheist that's in their right head would say murder's wrong. Yeah. To what standard? How could it be wrong? And so I, I think just the intrinsic morals that we all know, at least a basis of, obviously yeah. the world's, you know, getting out of hand, you know, but we know that certain things are just vile and wrong. And why would they be if there was no intelligent design? No, I think that's an excellent point. We've actually, I think, shared that before uh, on the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. And I, I'm sure that there's always going to be someone out there who, if you brought that up, would have a very fancy answer. Come back. Uh, I don't know what it would be. Maybe along the lines of, well, Social, social cues, maybe. That's I don't fine. know. But then you can't condemn anybody's social, That's different right. cultures, different times. It's okay. That to was murder. right for them. Absolutely. That's the context of that particular culture so mm -hmm. that it's okay. If, and, and here's the scary thing about that. And just bluntly, if, if, if there was no God and Hitler won, history would have said that Hitler was right mm. because he won. And, and that would be the narrative for, yeah. and you'd have to say, well, that society deemed that to be right. And that, but we know that's wrong. Yeah. We know it in our being. That's so wrong and vile. And th that proves that God exists and created us with a purpose. So there is a very analytical way of being able to break down that question for people. I think for me, it, um, for me, I think those boxes need to be checked. And have needed to be checked with me at some point in my life. But as a child, when I received Jesus, it was an experience. It was a, um, that would have been my proof. Experiencing Jesus. And that can kind of get scary, I think, for some people. Because it's, that might feel like it's based on feeling or emotion. Uh, but there were things that indicated in my relationship with God. His very presence to me. Um, sometimes it it needed to be on the outside of my emotional bubble that he would sometimes present himself to me uh, because I, I do tend to be a very emotional creature. Is this just Rochelle with her brain and her thoughts running amok? Mm -hmm. And the Lord would bring people around me to help invest in to sometimes the crazy emotional places that I can go just to, to know that I have stepped and have have built my 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 house on a firm foundation mm -hmm. that it is God. So yes, uh, but there have certainly been times because of my free spirit type personality where I've had to go and seek out the analytical to have some answers. And I think it's the duty of of people who are Christians to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to have those in preparedness to talk about what it is that we believe. Because uh, I have certainly been confronted by friends. It wasn't enough for them to not have answers, and understandably so, that were something that their brain could wrap around and, and be more than emotional. At the end of the day, faith is the evidence of things unseen. You're going to have to take a leap of faith in order to believe. It will have to be a spiritual experience that will ultimately be the person's binding them to Christ. I, I really believe that. And it, even Lee Strobel, who was a you know, renowned atheist now, 
a believer in Christ. He came to terms with accepting Christ, but it's interesting. <laughs> I use the word came to the phraseology came to terms. Mm-hmm. This was not like a really happy thing. C.S. Lewis was the same way when he finally had enough evidence for Jesus to be real and that he died and that he rose again. And his his purpose here on this planet was to redeem us from sin, to bring us to him. He wasn't thrilled about the discovery because he's like, oh, man, it's real. I, I find mm-hmm. that fascinating. Yeah. It's like it's almost like a relenting. Okay. So I think maybe the spiritual connection came in after. Okay, I've collected the data. Here it is. I know this is real. It would take more faith to not believe that this is real. And now there's this, whenever I've met and talked with Lee, Lee Strobel, he is a charming man Oh yeah, who is so full of Jesus. There's no resentment. There's no, oh, yeah, I finally gave in because it's real. No, there is this, now I'm identifying as Christ. Yeah, I would. It's I emerging. Would, I would concur with that uh, order, I guess, yeah, because maybe. I look at it as you know what Hebrews calls us to about uh, faith uh, or things unseen. It's not calling us to a blind faith. Right. It, it's not like a you know like cult leaders do. Hey, uh, I heard from this alien, and uh, he's gonna beam <laughs> us up. You want to come with me? Like, well, uh, what, do you have a spaceship, or do you have a picture of it, or do you have a? Yeah. Oh, nothing. You know that. Like, no. I, I look at it as like a court case. Yeah. And the jury was not there. Yeah. It's things unseen. Uh-huh. But all of a sudden, if you're if you're say you're convicting somebody, oh, they had him on camera. Oh, the the glove did fit. The you evidence might, is there, yeah. You know, the, the glove did fit, so don't acquit. Uh, you know, and um, uh, you know, the, the fingerprints, DNA. Okay, it wasn't there. Yeah. But this makes me know. Yes. That this is the guy. It's the things we hope for, but it's also the things unseen. It's evidence for the things unseen. And it, evidence, mm-hmm. but the things unseen. Yeah. Exactly. And so you look at all the historical evidence of Jesus, mm-hmm. just like Lee Strobel got into. Yep. And the standard that um unbelievers put on Christianity is amazing to me. I hope I don't get too nerdy here, but this is fascinating to me. Mm. We have so much evidence in the, the time frame of like the first century. And according to mo- to historical standards, it's a lot. Yeah. Right. And yet people doubt if Christianity is real. Well, did you know that we have just two writings for Alexander the Great? Mm-hmm. And the first one we have is 400 years after his death. Yeah. Okay. And we take it as history, right? And we take it as history. It's sure. just fact. It's, and I do too. It's just, it's Alexander the Great. Yeah. So when you find skeptics online and they talk about, oh, people wrote about Jesus so long after he died, we can't validate, blah, 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 blah. And then you can tell them, well, then by that standard, absolutely, you can't believe that Alexander the Great existed. Right. And it's just an interesting, you take exactly like, like Lee Strobel and C.S. Lewis did, yeah. And then you do put your faith in it. Yeah. It is an unseen. It is you're putting yourself out there, but you have to have the, as they said, uh, certainly Lee said to us, you have to have more faith to be an atheist. Yeah. Once you get down to it. I think it's interesting the order for you was maybe different. For me it was um but this is my personality, so perhaps it was different for you. His wife it sure sounds like she just jumped in the pool. It sounded that it sounded that way. Yeah. And I just jumped in the pool. Mm-hmm. I didn't even measure to see if there was water in the pool. Mm-hmm. I just jumped in. And then I'm like, "Lord, I want to know you. So now I'm going to get some factoids and I'm going to, all right, who is this Jesus? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I experienced something um, clearly. And over the years, I've experienced these, these 
these supernatural Yeah. Oh, definitely. Things. Oh, definitely. So whatever order it is for you to come into Jesus, there is no wrong answer because he brought you in. And it's going to be different for everybody. As long as we, I mean, we know you're not believing in someone who maybe existed or maybe because the evidence is there. Jesus is real. Absolutely. But um, yeah, and there is a reason I think why he told Thomas, you know, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Yeah. Because you didn't necessarily see him firsthand. Yeah. But you can see him through the the words and the accounts of the apostles and, and the gospels in the New Testament to know that he most definitely, we have a lot of literature. He was Lit- real. Literature. Literature. Right, let's sneak in one more. Are you serious? Uh, let's see. Oh, now you're picking and choosing. Ooh, this is fun. Oh, Just I've been doing that choose. the whole time. I've been doing that the whole time. Um, have you been stacking the deck in your favor with the questions I, you want to answer? Ma'am, I have a royal flush. With your three-point <laughs> PowerPoint. <laughs> this one I hadn't seen. I just thought it was fascinating. Okay. Uh, oh, no. Maybe we should save that one for next time. Okay, we'll do another one that next would, That would be, because it's. I'll say what it is. and, and Leave them wanting more. Let's answer next or time. Or less. Well, yeah, let's answer next time, but here's the question. Okay. What three questions would you most like to ask God? Yes. Ooh, that's, yeah. Why we'll about that when we eat brownies? Why are there calories, period? Why are there calories? Why are there calories, period? All right, this is just fun. <laughs> but it could go serious. Which that's is fine. an easy one, by the way. Accountability. Account- that's good. Um, okay. This could go serious or it could be fun. Are you really going to ask one more? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because okay. it can be it can be short if we want it to be. What do you like or dislike? I mean, both. Give me a like and give me a dislike mm-hmm. about church. I like the fact that you can be surrounded by people who believe the same. When I went away for college and I didn't know anybody and I walked into a church and I hopefully the people there knew sure. who Jesus is sure. and loves. And, and I heard that proclaimed from the pulpit group of people I've never met before. But instantly, what do we have in common? The, the connecting person is we're part of the body of Christ. So I love that. And there is a a building there that says, hey, people who love Jesus, come on in here. People who are interested in knowing Jesus, come on in here. This is where you're going to learn about Jesus. So I love that. What I tend to um, get nervous about with church, and I grew up in the church. My father was a pastor. Uh, we can get into our ruts. Sure. We can get into tradition and we can kind of like what happened with Saul. And we were talking about how Saul it's like, hey, guys, nobody eats. Nobody eats until we get all these Philistines uh, and the sun goes down. And they made yeah. that more important than what did God say? That's true. So sometimes we kind of get worried about what color of carpet goes into the foyer. And that becomes more important at times, you know, and that's just a silly example. But you get where but, I'm going. But I can that. go. That's been real before. That's a real yeah. example. Instead of making what does God say? I love that. And since you answered so elegantly on both, I'll oh. give you the funny answers because I would probably agree with both of those as, <laughs> as mine. Um, what I uh, dislike, uh, no, let me do this. What, what I like, the uh, potlucks and the free donuts. <gasps> I knew you were going to say potluck. And what I dislike is the awkward meet and greet <laughs> between worship I was going to say, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, what I like, potlucks. What I don't like, uh, sometimes the potlucks. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> 